a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Management Minute Home Team Podcast, the daily podcast for those outcasts working at home during this global pandemic. This podcast is a service of the MBA program in the John M. Huntsman School of Business at Utah State University. Our goal is to make working at home work for you. My name is Scott Hammond. I'm a professor of management, a consultant, and an author. And since work has changed for us all, this podcast is aimed at providing good ideas about how to keep your team working, even though you're working at home. I've been working at home for about the last five or six years. And uh, I keep thinking that, well, maybe things will get back to normal, but they never do. Uh, my movement to work in my own home has changed my life and changed the way I work. And I'd like to say that I'm actually a much more productive person when I work at home. So I like it a whole lot. Now, that's not true for everybody, and that's not true for every job. But it can be very, very good. You know, this isolation that we have creates a new psychology, a new sociology. We sort of have to think differently about things. And that's what we call creativity, right? Creativity is enhanced when we start thinking differently about things. And so I want you to start thinking about working at home as maybe an opportunity, not just a liability, but an opportunity. Seven years ago, I was asked by my university to do a sabbatical. A sabbatical is, you know, after you've put in a lot of service and they want to rethink who you are and they want you to rethink who you are, you go away for a year. And it's kind of famous because in Hollywood, it's portrayed as going and sitting on the beach and thinking about irrelevant things. But for me, it was not a vacation at all. It was my first real year of working at home. I worked on a book. I worked on a book that changed my life. It wasn't a best-selling book. It sold a fair number of copies. It's called Lessons of the Lost, Finding Hope and Resilience in Work Life in the Wilderness. But writing it changed my life. And uh, having that creativity, that creative experience, just really changed my life. And I still go out and speak to groups about that book and talk about the personal experiences in that book and also talk about the experience of writing that book. I'm so grateful to have had that time where I could do things by myself and be creative. You guys all know Sir Isaac Newton, the famous Newton's Law guy. Well, when he was 22 years old, he was already a professor at Cambridge University. This is in 1666, the same year as the EM uh, situation I talked about in my last podcast. And the Great Plague was making its way through Europe and and so he sent his students home, and he went back to his estate. It's called Woolsthorpe Manor, and it's about 60 miles from Cambridge. And he just didn't have much to do. He sat under an apple tree, as, as is rather famously portrayed. But he called that year his Animus Mirbilis, his wonder year. Because it's when he began to work on discoveries like the field of calculus. Oh, he made life miserable for us all by discovering calculus, right? Motion, optics, how light moves, and gravity. 
All of his work on gravity came in that year, and it was because he was at home and he had a different kind of a work pattern. He was broke, his routine was broken, and so he was able to be much, much more creative. John Ronald Ruel Tolkien had a similar kind of experience. Different time, right? We're now moving up into the 1920s and the 1930s. But Tolkien was somewhat of a ne'er-do-well professor for about 15 years. He would go to work and teach his classes, and he was a good, interesting professor, but very dense and much smarter than his students, kind of probably pretty annoying. I know what annoying professors are like. I've been one before. And he taught his classes at Oxford, and then he would love to go home at night and tell his stories that he had been working on to his children. And in about um, 1938... The stories that he'd been telling at home became what he did at work. He sort of flip-flopped that around, and he published the book The Hobbit. Now, they didn't print very many of these books because they didn't think it would go very well, and they sold like hotcakes. I mean, they really, it was a best-selling book, and then uh, he, during World War II, uh, all from 1940 to 1947, he wrote The Lord of the Rings Trilogy which was identified by some people as the greatest novel of the last century. So all of that happened when he began to tell stories at home to his four children, and his homework became his real work. Now, across town uh, was another guy um, named C.S. Lewis. And some of you know C.S. Lewis. the two were friends. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis were friends, and they would often meet at the pub on Martyr Square in Oxford. I've been there many times. It's called The Eagle and the Child. And it's just a simple English pub where you can get uh, a beverage of any kind and some kind of mediocre food, and it's still there. And uh, I've been there a lot of – every time I go to Oxford to visit my sister, I go there because I really hope that some of the creativity that's lurking on these walls will leak into me. These were two incredibly creative people. Well, C.S. Lewis wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and so many different uh, Christian theological um, books – and it, a lot of that came from the inspiration that he received from Tolkien, but he was also someone who worked at home. And uh, he had a, a home provided by Oxford University, and he worked at home. And then eventually, when he couldn't get reclusion from his students, he moved out of town to another place and made his home there. Now, about that same time in the United States, in 1932, there was a fellow named Wallace Stegner. If you don't know Wallace Stegner, you really should. He's written some of the best books about the Western United States, uh, about the United States, about our culture. Uh, He came with his mother. He was born in Montana. He wasn't sure if it was Montana or Canada. It was so close to the border. And uh, they actually had uh, officials from both Canada and Montana in this little town. And uh, his father eked out a living. And his mother uh, raised him and his his brother. And then eventually his father abandoned them. And destitute, they kind of made their way down towards Salt Lake City, hoping to find a place to be sheltered in 1932. And he describes in one of his books, coming in the book Wolf Willow, coming around the corner there by Bountiful and seeing the Wasatch Front and uh, the 1932 view of Salt Lake City. And he coined the famous, famous term, This is the geography of hope. 
I want us to think about that that phrase, the geography of hope, because that describes what we need right now, a geography of hope. Um, he then went on to go to East High School in Salt Lake and the University of Utah. And while he was at the University of Utah, he married a woman uh, who had an interesting story about two aunts who had raised a young boy as they, they didn't, the young boy never knew which one was actually her, his actual mother. And these two women had raised this boy. And he wrote a short story about that while he was confined at home. We couldn't find work, you know, just a starving student confined at home with his wife. He was newly married and uh, he wrote the story and then entered it in a literary contest. And in 1937, won $5,000, which was a fortune back then. And he took that and went to Harvard and became Harvard-educated and then started the Stanford Writing Program and went on to write Angle of Repose, Crossing to Safety, The Gathering of Zion, Wolf Willow, as I've already mentioned, um, and so many other books, Pulitzer Prize-winning books that are outstanding pieces of literature. And he not only did that, but he taught other people how to write. Uh, he mostly brought the writers into his home in the hills above Stanford and was famous for doing that. And he did that favor to a friend of mine named Terry Tempest Williams. She and I went to high school together in Salt Lake City in the early 1970s. And um, Terry ended up writing a couple of best-selling books. And if you look at her online profile, she's done some incredibly good writing all much of it mentored by Wallace Stegner. So creativity at home, there's a relationship between those two things. And I, I just want, in this podcast, you to understand that we are not in a position now where we're going to go back to life as normal. Uh, there will be times, of course, when we can go back to work that was more like work was a year ago. But I don't think we're going to go back to normal, whatever normal is. Going back to C.S. Lewis, He said, in a famous quote, life has never been normal. Even those periods which we think as most tranquil, like the 19th century, turn out a closer inspection to be full of cries, alarms, duties, difficulties, and emergencies. Plausible reasons have never been lacking for merely putting off cultural events until some imminent danger has been averted or some crying injustice put right. But humanity long ago chose to neglect those plausible reasons. They wanted knowledge and beauty now and would not wait for the suitable moment that might never come. I like that a lot because what he's really saying there is that it's not time to wait until things are normal or to wait until things are safe. Do it now. Figure it out now. Launch it now. The story of this podcast in and of itself is one of those moments where a week ago, Uh, as we were all hunkering down in our homes and people were complaining that uh, they couldn't do what they normally could do. The great people in the MBA program in the Huntsman School said, you know, our recruiting events, we don't have them anymore and we're not going to have students. And we said, let's do a podcast and reach out and serve the community like we always do in a different kind of a way. Let's serve the community with this podcast and hopefully we can gain an audience. And then hopefully some of them will consider our MBA program. So thank you for listening. Each of our daily podcasts are designed to support you with your work at home. And we'd love to hear from you and get ideas from you and find out what's working from you. 
please email those ideas directly to me. Uh, my name is Scott Hammond, and my email address is scott.hammond at usu.edu. That's scott.hammond at usu.edu. This podcast is a service of the MBA program in the John M. Huntsman School of Business at Utah State University. In this changing world, in these changing times, one thing that will pay off big time if you invest in it now is your own education. So keep learning. Keep growing. Consider an online MBA from the Huntsman School. You can work at home and grow from anywhere. I'm Scott Hammond. I hope to see you in one of our classes.